evolutionary.org podcast 532 steven the mobster and we're gonna do bro bro science steroid myths we're gonna talk about five of them in this podcast this is gonna be part two episode if you haven't checked out part one go check that one out it was a fun one and a lot of you out there loved the first one we did so we're gonna do another one and then we're gonna do another one after this so let us know if you like these we will definitely keep doing them the first bro science myth is going to be you must pyramid up, down, slash change steroids due to receptors getting used to it. So where did this myth come up from? We see a lot of this. Even on shows, we see on uh, they talk about receptors and you see a guy like clicking his fingers and he's like this big meathead bodybuilder. He's got like. 25% body fat, and he just lifts heavy weight. He has no concept of nutrition or how our body works. He just lifts a lot of weight, and he eats a lot of food, and he takes a lunch of steroids, and he thinks he's an expert. Well, he'll say, oh, yeah, you just change up the steroids you're using, run the steroid for four weeks, and change the steroid four weeks, and raise the dose 100 milligrams a week, then rent, lower it back down, and all this other stuff. So people who say stuff like that, they just don't understand what really goes on. So the pyramiding up and down, look, you have esters that are attached to these steroids. The esters themselves are what pyramid the, the steroids in your body. So you manually pyramiding it up and down is not doing anything but throwing it off. So it makes more sense just to keep the dosage the same and allow the steroids to pyramid up as they build in your system and peak. And then once you come off, let it pyramid off on its own versus forcing it to pyramid off by lowering the dose. It's not going to make a difference. It's still going to need time to reach peak and reach off. Now, in terms of the, the receptor thing, the reason when you first run steroids, your first cycle or two, it really hits you hard is because you aren't used to those androgen receptors, especially if you run steroids for the first time, you know, once you're in your late 20s, 30s, 40s, et cetera. But if you run the steroids for the first time in your early 20s, you may not get as much of an effect because your, your hormones are already going crazy and your hormones in your body are already high. So that's, that's why. It has nothing to do with your receptors getting used to the steroids it's just that you get used to the androgens, that androgen pop that you first get. But over time, you're going to get used to it. It's just your mind get, gets used to it and your body gets used to it. So there's a lot of factors with homeostasis and all that other stuff. So, Monster, this is your topic. I'll let you take the floor on the rest of the segment on this topic. Why don't you educate people on this on this myth? So what happened, guys, is back in the day, and I've mentioned this on previous podcasts, I made a point of going out and buying two books from two very well-known British gurus, uh, Mick Hart and the late Paul Borison, and uh, reading their books. And uh, we were kind of dealing with their experience rather than real actual science and properly done blood tests and so on and so forth. So uh, the bro science, especially bro science for back in the day, and I'm talking about the 1980s and 1990s because I'm that old, was this idea that you, you pyramided up and tapered off as a way of reactivating or clearing out your receptors but more than that steve i think it was to do with the shut the the shutdown or production of your natural testosterone so the idea was especially when you tapered off was that you were kind of easing your way back in 
And I had a big argument with a buddy of mine that I mentioned to Steve in the pre-show, and he was trying to explain it to me. And for a little while, it was a bit of back and forth before the penny dropped. And it's essentially thus, right? And, and this is especially true. There probably there might be an argument that blood tests would prove it, and Steve would explain the, the, the science of that in a moment. Uh, from the day that you take a steroid, it starts working. And there's an argument to be made for how quickly your body shuts down natural production. And that's where blood tests would come in. The problem is you'd have to have blood tests every day. So the, the concept, if you like, the idea, and the, what we would now call bro science, was that you were restarting production as you tapered off. And in reality, that it doesn't matter whether you're on 100 milligrams or 300 milligrams or 500 milligrams, whether you're period amount or tapering down. It needs to get to a point where your body sees it as being completely cleared out of the unnatural injected or orally consumed steroids. And you, with products to help you with that thing, as we would recommend now, your body takes over and naturally starts producing testosterone. It has very, very little to do with deliberately pyramiding up and deliberately tapering, tapering off as a way of restarting things. That's not how it works. You literally need to have time off. You literally, as Steve said again, especially with a long-acting ester, it needs to clear out of your system. While it's having an effect on how you train the amount of muscle, nitrogen retention, and so on and so forth, that you took the steroid from to begin with, while it's doing that, your body's not naturally producing testosterone, or it's producing very, very little. And the pyramid and tapering down, it kind of doesn't have any real science. It was just like a concept, an idea. It was, as we say, with this bro science myth. And it took me a long time arguing with my buddy to get my head around a simple fact that if I take steroids in day one, my, it's already having an effect. I'm already affecting the, my natural production. It might, you know, kick in for a day or two, Steve, but very, very quickly, this is this outside influence, the, the steroids I'm taking are going to affect my body very, very quickly. Production is going to slow down very, very quickly. And it's going to take that much longer to restart when I come off the cycle, when my body sees these the steroid levels as so low that natural production begins again. And of course, this is just on the basis of uh, without cruising and blasting or being on TRT or especially on sports TRT. It's literally do a cycle, come off, do a PCT, have plenty of time off in between cycles and so on and so forth. And this this would be assumed, Steve, for example, with orals that or short acting esters. It's not the, the, the reality of the situation, again, especially if you're using multiple drugs, multiple steroids, and as Steve said, with some specific steroids, they're, they're designed to be in your body for a long time. And we've talked about in previous podcasts, in the case as, as an example of Cipionate, 16 to 21 days after your last injection before you get down to the half-life. That still means there's some in your system. So what do we talk about at the end of a cycle? A minimum quite often, especially based on the essence of up to two weeks from the end of the cycle before you start your PCT because you've still got steroids in your system. So pyramiding up, tapering down, and still having steroids in your system for two weeks. Uh, and that's only at half their active level, their half-life. It makes no sense, but it was a thing for the longest time. And again, as Steve says, we will see, quote-unquote, experts talking about this amount of time tapering up pyramid it makes no sense steve especially if you're using multiple drugs what is the longest acting steroid in there 
How long is that still in your system? Steve, talk about the simple fact that to, to knock that science into a top hat and make it out for the bro science that it actually is, blood tests will show you that there's still steroids in your system. Blood tests will show you that your natural testosterone is still suppressed. Talk to people about the science of the actual blood test and what it proves. Yeah, I mean, it's that's the thing about these bro science myths. A lot of them are busted because today we can get blood work done. Like you literally you can go right now online and order blood work, print it out and take it right now down to the lab and get blood work results the next day. So we can bust any myth now. Back then, they couldn't. Back then, they didn't have access to blood work as easy as, as we do today. Back then, you had to go to the doctor. You'd have to, you know, get it on paper. Then he'd have to refer you to a specialist. And you have to go to a specialist, and specialists have to write it. And then you'd have to go in and get blood work done. So guys didn't go through all that. So none of these experts and these gurus that came out of the 80s and 90s they don't know this stuff because they've never got blood work done. But now we have so much blood work. I have a whole thread on uh, on the forum, on the Evo forum. You can go and look at it. And it's like two or 3,000 pages of blood work from people over the years. And that's evidence right there that the bro scientists definitely have this one wrong. So next one, Mobster, is you need steroids to bodybuild, a.k.a. A bodybuilder, a pro bodybuilder got to where he is from steroid use and nothing else. So why don't you touch on this one first, and I'll follow up. In a way, Steve, it's not even that. It's kind of the idea, bro science-wise, that anyone who wants to bodybuild in any kind of semi-serious, amateurish way, never mind professional way, never mind competitive way, the only way that you can train is that you must take steroids and I, I we call this bro science because it's one of those things that uh, someone will come up to in the gym or you'll sometimes see online and of course as steve says it's sometimes the same kind of people think that's the reason why pro bodybuilders are the way that they are and we're going to get into you know the fact that they look the way that they look isn't uh, attached to the steroid use it is but it's not the only thing it's not they look like that because they take steroids in the same way that the bro science is that you must use steroids if you wish to work out. Steve's touched on this uh, on a previous podcast. There's, there's two ways of looking at this. Number one, it's complete and utter bro science, aka bullshit. There are, uh, uh, if there's in the America 30 million people to work at, 10% of the population, 3 million are what we would describe as serious gym users, go whatever else. This is the supplement market's market, it's their, their audience. And these are people that train. Do you think there are 3 million steroid users in the States? No. There's probably a million, million and a half. There might even be of that 3 million that someone that has used steroids at some point. But the idea that the only way that you can train in the gym to develop any kind of muscle whatsoever is that you must use steroids is bro science. 100% bro science. I've described that the vast majority of my year, and if I do one cycle a year, let's say it's eight weeks, that means of the other 46 weeks, 44 weeks of the year, I'm not on steroids. And I'm the size that I am. How many years did Steve train without using steroids? How many years did I train without using steroids? How big was I without using steroids? How strong was I? I had world-class feats of strength. I hadn't actually started competing until I started using stories, but I had world-class feats of strength recognized within my niche in the grip community 
before my very first steroid. I'd worked up to decent poundages on squats and bench press and deadlift before I used a steroid. I was the size stature-esque, if you like. I, I, I'm going to say, Steve, I think my first steroid I know was age 37, and I'd been training at that point 22 years. So 22 years without the need to use a steroid. I wasn't competing. I wasn't doing any of those things. So it's obviously bullshit. And it's bullshit even for professional bodybuilders uh, because they would get to what we would describe as freaks of nature, crazy looking, practically from day one, and continue to look like that right up until they did their first cycle. And in fact, we've seen occasionally extreme examples of this. You can look up, guys. You can find famous bodybuilders. I'll use Kai Green, one of the most famous bodybuilders. You can find pictures of Kai Green as a teenager, pre-competition, prior to any cycle, by his own admission, any quote-unquote supplement use, looking like a smaller but still freaky-looking version of the Kai Green we know and love. You can find the same kind of photographs of Phil Heath. You can find, uh, I can think of bodybuilders and indeed strength athletes that got all the way to the stage. It's reputed that Ronnie Coleman got all the way to the Olympia before he went on cycle. He, he didn't have a clue about the things that you could do with performance enhancement as far as winning the the, 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 the tours that they went on and had to get Kevin LeBron to show him tricks. Flex Wheeler talking to him about steroids. He got that far. I can think of a world strongest man competitor buddy of mine that got all the way to the top 10 before he started using anabolic steroids to enhance his ability. So the idea that you have to take steroids in order to be even vaguely successful to have any kind of muscle tissue or to look like, vaguely look like the, the people that we see in the magazines or we watch on TV or we watch on YouTube is rubbish. Now, it's not to say that you cannot enhance what you're doing, but that's not the conversation here. We know that steroids in, in, enhance your performance. That's why they're called PEDs. But that you have to, that's completely not bullshit, a.k.a. pro-site, Steve. What do you think on the subject? So I'll take it a different angle. You hear all the time people... They want to use anabolic steroids and they'll uh, they'll always say, well, I want to start weightlifting. So, we, you know, where can I get steroids? And I'll say, you know, why, why do you want to use anabolic steroids if you haven't even weight trained before? And they, you know, they'll take it as me saying that I'm, I'm telling them not to weight train. That's that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you need to weight train, build a base. And when you build a proper base, you put in the, the hours then you use anabolic steroids. So people tend to misunderstand that all the time. I'm not discouraging you from weight training. I'm discouraging you just from using steroids before you built a proper base. There's a difference, but people don't understand that, especially who don't have any experience with it. It'd be like, I want to go learn how to play billiards but I'm going to go use steroids and then take, and then, and then do billiards at the same time. Wouldn't that, doesn't that, isn't that stupid? And then yes, in billiards, you need a lot of endurance. You need a lot of stamina. You need muscle strength. You need a lot in billiards, but it's just not something, you know, it's not that easy. Right. So I'm sure the top billiard players, they may use steroids, you know, just to give them a little bit of an edge over their competition but to think you can just take steroids and go learn to play billiards is, is, is yeah. stupid. You've got to go. Learning billiards is a lot more. The steroids are just icing on the cake. So we have to kind of get away in bodybuilding and in weightlifting from people thinking that steroids are the end all because they're not. Yeah. It's it's a percentage of it. 
you know, but it's not 100%. It might be 5%, it might be 10%, it may be 15 or 20%, but it's not 100%. So touch on that really quick, Mob, so we got to move on. We'll jump in, and I'll use Steve's analogy just then. Right. For example, in darts and in billiards, pool, uh, snooker, whatever, uh, some of the very, very top players, I, I would, they're not all what I would call athletes, although they, they do train, etc. they put in the time sleep. And some have used beta blockers to calm their nerves and to allow them to relax and play a good game during their matches, during their tournaments, during their championships. But the analogy that Steve uses is very, very good. So if I can't play snooker and I take a beta blocker, it doesn't automatically make me a good snooker player. And the, the reason why people sometimes think the drugs is a must is because they can't get their head round. Steve and I and many of our listeners putting in the work. They can't get their head around the fact that we our nutrition is better and that we've put our time under the bar, that we've trained our asses off before we use anabolics, before we use any performance enhancement. They cannot get their brain around that. They're, 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 as far as they're concerned, the reason Steve's got a six-pack, the reason I'm the size of a house is because we use drugs. And they they, think they ignore my 22 years without drugs. They ignore Steve's fasting. They ignore the work that Steve puts in in a gym to look the way that he does. And think the only reason he looks that way is because it's on drugs. And the only way mobsters as big as he is because of drugs. And I was a big motherfucker before. I'm just a really, really big motherfucker now. And Steve was a smaller, more and as muscular version of what he is now. And now he's a bigger muscular version. But he was still putting in the work. He still had good nutrition. Right. The next subject we would like to talk about is running TRT based on how you feel. I'll let Steve start this one. Yeah, so we see this too on the forums. We'll have people come on here and they'll be like, I got problems you know my my doctors i went to the doctor i got blood work my doctor said i have problems with this doctors with problems with that or i've been using the anti-aging clinic and they put me on um, a bunch of peptides they put me on blood pressure medication they put me on cholesterol medication they put me on acg they put me on on a bunch of drugs and then i'm like you know how much trt are you using oh i'm using 250 milligrams a week i'm using 300 milligrams a week so and then you say, well, that's not a TRT dose. That's like a sports TRT dose. That's like a that's like a cycle. That's like running an actual steroid cycle dose. So, you know, of course, you're going to have these types of problems. Of course, you're going to they're going to want to on top of that, give you all these additional drugs. That's what they do. Anti-aging clinics, they make money by prescribing things to you and having you pay money for those things. That's a business. They're a for profit business. They're they don't care about your long term health. So, but then they'll say, well, I feel so much better on 250 or 300 milligrams or 200 milligrams. I feel so much better. Well, yeah, you feel so much better because you're running two, three times what your body should naturally produce in a neutral setting. So obviously, yeah, you're going to feel better. There's more androgen in your system. There's more estrogen in your system. You know, there's more male hormones in your system. It's all, there's more DHT in your system. But the thing is, you know, using TRT, just to feel good isn't going to work long term because now you're basically going to hammer your kidneys, your liver, your heart. You're going to hammer things. You're also going to hammer your pancreas long term, too, because you're going to become more insulin resistant. When you abuse anabolic steroids, you become insulin resistant. When you use a TRT dose, a proper TRT dose, which is somewhere between 
80, 90 milligrams up to 125 milligrams max per week. Then when you run that proper dose, that's where you should be. And then you got some guys on the forum who've been around the block and um, they're really just really dumb, but they're the types that they're meatheads, but they don't think of themselves as meatheads. You know, they, they, they think that they're, yeah, they're above meatheads, like better than meatheads, but no, 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 they are meatheads. They are bro scientists themselves because they'll come on and they'll say, well, if that person feels better on 250 milligrams a week, then, then they should take that dose. Well, then now you have to run an AI on top of that because now your estrogen is out of control. Or you cannot run an AI and end up with gynecomastia, water retention, high blood pressure, insomnia, yada, yada, yada. I can keep going on the list. So at the end of the day, proper TRT dose is what you need to replace the testosterone that you would naturally produce in a normal setting. That's the idea behind TRT. It's not to feel good on it. It's not to basically run steroids on it. Now you can blast and cruise, which is basically you can blast for say 10 weeks, 12 weeks at a higher dose, but then you'd have to go back to your proper cruising dose. If you blast and cruise, let's say you blast a thousand milligrams of gear and then cruise on 500 milligrams of gear for, throughout the entire year. And a lot of guys do do that you will shorten your lifespan pretty substantially. I mean, I can bring up examples. We've done enough podcasts, Mobster and I, of guys who have dropped dead really young mm -hmm. because the anabolic steroids caused them to basically shorten their life very drastically. So, I, I mean, I hope that makes sense. But Mobster kind of take it a, take it a different angle and, uh, and yeah. explain this myth. But there's a bunch of uh, arguable uh, symptoms that seems to sometimes indicate low T levels, low testosterone levels. But the thing of it is, Steve, and again, this is, again, the idea that basing on how you feel versus looking at your blood levels and actually seeing what your, TR, your, your testosterone is, how much is being reduced by your body, what your testosterone levels actually are. So here's the thing, guys. If you're crazy stressed, if you're going through a divorce, if you're, uh, the, your boss at work's giving you shit, if you've got real young children like babies and they're up at night screaming their heads off and they won't settle, if you're working two jobs, if your diet is shit, if you're doing crazy amounts of recreationals, if you're not literally getting enough sleep, I guarantee you that your TRT level, your your own T levels, your natural production is gonna be is gonna be poor. Or even, and again, this is what blood tests were coming, even if it's good, even if it's normal, you're gonna feel and that's the issue here, like your testosterone is suppressed, like your testosterone is low. Now, I've touched on this before, and I use the word affinity. And I suspect for myself, as an example again, and I, again, would need blood tests to prove this. I suspect that my normal off-cycle after PCT levels of testosterone are not actually that high. I, I, I think that I probably, I'm not hairy. I don't exhibit uh, the, the signs that high androgen, natural androgen levels in the, my response. I don't have, I'm not naturally lean now. I used to be when I was a lot younger, but I wouldn't say I was naturally lean now. My arms, my forearms, uh, I've got separation sometimes of my leg, but my belly is a bit more of a powerlifter's belly than it would be a bodybuilder's belly. Uh, I'm getting more of a chin as I get older. So uh, the, the I don't have a bald patch on my head. I don't have a hairy chest or covered in hair. 
because a lot of people when they're on steroids they get an, an increased hair production, men and women, and at the same time uh, an up, up, up level in uh, male pattern baldness, for example. So I suspect my levels are kind of normal, and yet I am the size and the strength, etc., that I am. So I suspect for me, Steve, it's a question of never mind how I feel, it's how my body responds to, reacts to, and the affinity that I have for the levels of testosterone I got. So, and my life now is arguably less stressful. I don't do a day job. My diet is no argument for me. I can eat well if I want to. I know how to do that. I can train when I want to. I can train when the gym is shut because I have stuff here. So arguably, how I, my, I'm not doing a divorce. I haven't got young kids screaming their heads off. I haven't got a boss shouting at me. And again, all those things will affect how you feel, never regardless of what your actual levels are. So equally, you'll find guys out there, we've seen these results. They've actually had their bloods tested. And a person will say, I thought my levels were low, but they're actually at the lower end. That's a big difference, guys, between the lower end but still in normal range and having someone feel like beating up dog shit with a high level, a high natural level. And in fact, here's another argument for you, Steve, in terms of what people think testosterone and the level should be. It was argued many years ago that the prisoners in prison in America, in the US, etc., because they are, quote, unquote, naturally violent, that's an argument for itself, their testosterone levels would be higher. And in fact, it was the opposite, that because they're in prison, because their food, their diet is awful, and just because they're surrounded by hundreds of other men, there's no women around, their testosterone levels were actually lower than the norm. And that was right across the board, Steve. So the idea that you go on TRT based on how you feel, well, I could fix your stress levels. I could I could tell you to go to the gym. I could fix your diet. I can do a, you can do a bunch of things. We've had guys come on the forums and say, I've got this, I've got that, I've got the other. And I'm going, well, stop doing those things then. Change your job. Go out and get a qualification and get a better job. There's nothing stopping you. You're on here asking for an easy fix, but the fix is a better job, better qualifications. This fix might be, for example, wearing earplugs. There's a bunch of other things there. So don't do it on how you feel. Do it on the science. Our last topic for today is we actually have two more, actually. We have Sorry, two more so, yes. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So number no. four, your junk shrinks on cycle. Now, this is more from outside of the game than in the game. It is a, a perception that sometimes given, and we occasionally see this from a, a bitter and twisted partner, male or female, where there's this idea that our testosterone, our testicle shrink on cycle, yes. For a lot of fellas, your testicles will shrink when you're using steroids. But there's also an idea that your penis shrinks on cycle. And in and the reality is it's your perception. So there's not there, 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 not only that, here's the thing, especially from Joe Public. You got the size, your fires are the size of their in their mind, tree trunks. So a normal, and I'm gonna be quite crude, a normal size penis will appear smaller if your fucking legs are 30 inches around. A normal size penis, length and width, is just going to look disproportionately smaller. There's no actual proof that penis is shrink. Some, in fact, if, if I can Steve, if your stomach gets tighter, especially the lower part of your stomach, more of your junk appears. And so it's this idea that, of course, people are on stage. They've got slightly smaller than normal testicles. They're wearing posing briefs, but they've got legs 
that are the size of two other people's legs per leg. And someone who's never seen this stuff before wants to take apart the fact that this person works out and trains and has dieted really hard. And because they feel out of shape, because it makes them feel bad, they go, look, their penis is smaller, their testicles are smaller, their balls are smaller. It's, it's, it's almost psychological on both the person that's looking and making the observation and even occasionally us athletes training and looking down and thinking, you're doing stuff to increase blood supply, not decrease it. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 just a bit silly, and it's it's tied up as much in the mentality of people that are making the observation, and you have to ask them why they think that, uh, and even ourselves. Again, if we're tired after training, if we're worried uh, because we're tired that we're not going to perform sexually, has my junk shrunk? And in reality, listen, your testicle shrink, your penis doesn't. But if it does, it's like one percent, and even then, I would question it. I suspect a lot of the time, Steve. It's just people having a shit day, feeling bad, feeling tired, working their ass off in the gym, and they look down at their junk and they're going, I think my junk's got smaller. And worse, it's got smaller because I'm taking anabolic steroids. And <laughs> here's the truth of it, very, very quickly, guys. Pharmaceutical companies, producers, steroids to treat medical conditions did not list a smaller penis as a side effect. Please feel – I'm happy for you to argue in the comments – Find the insert that came with steroids when they were given for medical conditions and show me in that insert where a smaller penis was a medical side effect. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, and you touched on a couple of the things that come up. The first one being the perception, you're more muscular, there's more things, and then you're, you know, and but the other perception too, what you said, second thing, it could be the person, they're roller coasting their hormones, they might have a tough time with erections. So that might be where that bro science yeah. perception came yeah. from. So maybe the girlfriend, they weren't able to get the guy up, you know, and then she started telling her friends, yeah, he started using steroids and now his dick got smaller. Well, his dick didn't get smaller. So it's just that he's lost his ability yeah. to produce yeah. an erection. So I think that, but now today you have all these dick drugs. So um, every source out there now they sell dick drugs. So I think that bro yeah. science thing, has kind of fell off. But then the third option is I used to, you know, play a lot of poker back in the day. And let's say, you know, I had a, a friend who uh, I got to know and she, uh, she got around. And one of the things she told me was most muscular guys that she's done it with have had small penises. So there's a third thing of people who are obsessed with their bodies and obsessed with weightlifting and obsessed with using yep. steroids. They are insecure because they have a, a tiny package. So um, it, it comes with the territory, you know, on that one. And, you know, and, and, you know, that it's, there's, there's definitely a, something in our brain that causes the insecurity that we have to go and weight train. And uh, for me, it was always being that skinny kid and that, um you know, short kid. And I, always wanted to basically be as strong as the kids in, in, in PE, you know, and that that's why I got into fitness when I was 15 years old and why I became obsessed with it by the time I got in my mid twenties. And, and that's why I started using steroids in my late twenties. Cause I wanted to take things to another level. So we have a, all have a, a little bit of an insecurity. So that may tie into it. I think it's a combination of all three things, but it's kind of fallen off over time because as mobster said, the science obviously doesn't agree with that. So why don't we touch on the last one, mobster, Roy Rage. Uh, we'll definitely talk about this on a later episode.
But why don't we hit Roid Rage a little bit? Um, I think this one, the bro science on this one is a little disingenuous um, because what yes. happens is every time a wrestler or a boxer or something, they go into a road rage, Roy, you know, they go into a rage and they do a lot of things. They kill their wife, they kill their kids, or they, they yeah. have domestic violence or something. Then the, you know, they'll investigate and be like, Oh, he was using steroids. Well, no shit. I mean, I'm pretty sure just about every wrestler and just about every boxer and just about every high-end athlete who's in a sport MMA or something that you know that that has to be violent they're going to use male hormones they're, they they want to get more aggressive so that's kind of where it ties in but there's also 99% of those MMA fighters and 99% of those boxers and, and and wrestlers who don't go around killing their kids and don't go around choking their wives but they're also on steroids so it's one of these things where that's where I think that bro size was, was kind of derived from. Uh, so, Monster, why don't you touch on this one uh, before we finish up? Right. So I'm thinking of uh, Mr. Collins that does the legal muscles, and he's actually covered this in some detail. You have to remember, guys, he's defended a bunch of people, supplement companies, bodybuilders, and so on. And and he, there is zero, and I mean zero, actual proof that a thing called Roy Rage exists. There are no actual studies. You could talk about the insecurity of a person. You could talk about quite off the sleeve and examples what it has happened where there's pre-existing anger management issues before steroids. The simple fact of the matter is that people, I mean, it's, here's how it works. And this is what Steve said, right? I, I said just now at the beginning of this podcast, if we argued some generic figure and we said a million people in America, and it's probably more than a million, these are some kind of performance enhancement. But if we said, just as an example, there's one million steroid users in the United States right now. Then why aren't they all out there committing murder? Why aren't they all out there committing domestic violence? Why aren't they all out there fighting their buddies in the gym? Why? Because if steroids causes roid rage, then all one million of them should be doing something stupid, rage-wise, anger-wise, having anger management issues. And the reality is they do not. The logic fouls. The bro science fouls. And the, 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 the actual argument was only ever used as a legal defense. And to the best of my knowledge, Steve, and again, I'm happy to be corrected on this in the comments, it's never held up in court. It's just been your lawyer says, let's try to use the roid rage, the fact that he was on some performance enhancement, even doctor prescribed performance enhancement, and that's the reason why you smashed the grenier of your wife. That's the reason why you smashed the house up. That's the reason why you got another fight on the motorway. I've actually touched on this, Steve. I've said that when I'm on a cycle, I'm probably more chill, more relaxed, more easy going i'm also more self-aware i know that one side i would argue that my most violent i probably had more fights with my brothers than i've had with anybody else but i would say that my most violent my most anger my most void rage like incidents such as they are again 59 this year steve so it's probably only maybe half a dozen times in my life from when i was my early teens till now none of those have been on steroids not a single one not a single one. So it, it's the, the idea that roid rage even exists. It's really only a legal argument. And the only other place you'll see it outside of the courtroom where your lawyer, your solicitor, your, your 
the person that's acting on your behalf to try and defend you from going to jail, the only other place you seem to see is in the media. And, I, and not even the bodybuilding media. I don't think it really gets addressed, uh, except maybe as a science thing in the bodybuilding media. Now, here's the truth. There is some argument, whether it's high natural testosterone levels or enhanced testosterone levels, that you will be more assertive. I agree. And what we have said for many, many years in bodybuilding, and again, you'd need actual science for this, is that there's definitely an argument to be made for being more assertive, being, more, quote, unquote, more uh, outgoing and arguably more aggressive, but only if that's what your nature was before. It is a accepted norm. So, again, bro science, I've, the, the, the only science that studied it at all, Steve, has been when people have ticked boxes and done their own analysis of themselves. Your perception, how do you feel today? Do you feel angry? Do you feel stressed? And you're ticking boxes on a scale of one to five and so on and so forth. And the argument between off-cycle and on-cycle was that they felt more aggressive, more assertive, more outgoing, more likely to kick ass, more likely to get out of a car kick-off. But again, these people were like that before. It enhanced their anger that they already had. It enhanced the aggression that they already had. It did not create in a passive individual aggression. Arguably, you didn't go from a nine-stone weakling to a 20-stone hulk with anger management issues because you use steroids. You went from a nine-stone weakling to a 20-stone person who's had the same slightly enhanced on-cycle feelings, anger, whatever, all the normal stuff that you had before becomes ever so slightly enhanced. It doesn't suddenly become something that wasn't there before. In other words, if you're chilled off, you're chilled on. If you're angry and bitter and twisted and likely to have fights off, you're the same on, only more so. And Steve and I, we're old enough and ugly enough to have been around, not just gyms, but Joe's, out drinking or whatever else. There's more violence and anger committed out of frustration when alcohol is involved than there is steroids. I, I, as I said, I think most steroid users don't really get into fights. There are, there's always going to be a, a, a 1% that do stupid shit, but that but that one percent is one percent. What about the other ninety nine percent, Steve? Where's the think, actual proof? So let me just talk about this really quick too. A lot of steroid users, they're the types that you know they get themselves into trouble. They want to be rebellious. They use steroids because of their legality. That's their big draw. Same thing with pot users. Same thing with any recreational drug user. They'll be attracted to it because it's bad. They'll be, you know what I'm saying? It That's the allure to them because they are the kind of kids that grew up. They were always the rebels and stuff. So that's why you see a lot of that going on. But, you know, someone like me and someone like Mobster, we're going to take steroids and we're not going to change our personalities. And we're not we, we didn't take steroids for that rebellious allure. You know, we took steroids because we want to increase our performance and give us a little bit more of an edge in, in the gym. 100%. So that's a big part of it too. So now your take, so yes, there is some guys who use steroids who are bad guys, bad boys, you know? But at the same time, there's a lot of us who use steroids who are professionals. We're just the normal boring accountants, you know, in our day jobs. Yeah. Yeah. And then we just use steroids to give us a little edge in the gym. So it's important, but th that's not fun. It's not fun for the media to report on the accountant that killed his wife. That's a little more, that's like a, a boring, maybe a dateline segment. But the fun media thing that they'll talk about at the six o'clock news or 11 o'clock news where they want to get ratings, 
is they'll want to talk about the guy who's tatted up, who's got nose rings, who's got a a mohawk, who rides a motorcycle, and who's big, a big guy, you know, and he's got like tats all over his shoulders and stuff. And those are the guys, those bad boy look, you know, that you see in the movies. They don't cast a guy like me to play a bad boy in a movie. They'll cast the guy who's big and tatted up and has got piercings everywhere and who has a mohawk to, and has uh, green hair to play the bad guy in the movie. You see what I'm saying? So it's all a stereotypical thing. And it's more fun for the media to report on that. It's not fun to report on the, the boring accountant that, um, you know, that, that, that killed his wife. But even though it happens all the time as well. All right, mobster. So I think that covers it. You want to take us in the disclaimer, finish up. Yeah, I'll just finish up there, Steve. If you don't know me and I don't speak to you, I'm that big motherfucker over there lifting weights or that big motherfucker walking around. If you talk to me, I'm probably one of the most sociable, too too much talking people that you can meet in the gym, out in the street, out and about, in a pub, in any environment. So, again, it's perception over reality is, is a feeling and perception over the science. I'd like to see it studied more. And certainly the, the perception what people have from self-analysis and from experts looking in from outside. That would be, it would be interesting to see. Please note, we are not doctors and opinions are ours. It's our view and is based on our experience and views on the topic. Our podcast are for informational purposes and entertainment only. The freedom of speech and the First Amendment applies.